We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, if you're looking to connect with me, LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me most active on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post pretty much daily uh, information related to marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and any upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that simply references social capital. I can't wait to hear from you. This podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you first need to understand that customer. You can learn more at keystoneclick.com. Okay, today's guest is Steven Novick. Steven Novick is a CEO and founder of FarmStand. FarmStand cooks and delivers fresh, fast, healthy, and affordable meals to businesses and consumers that they personalize. Their website is eatfarmstand.com. Steven previously built two billion dollar businesses and climbed the seven summits, including Everest, the very top. He's beaten cancer, which has made him passionate about food and the environment. And growing up working class made him appreciate affordability and convenience, which is why he started FarmStand. Steven, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Uh, great to be here. Oh, I've got lots of goodies to dive into, but let's let's talk about FarmStand. I mean, there's so many meal delivery services out there, and it just seems like there's more today than there ever has been before. How is FarmStand better? Well, I think there's a, a lot of things that are out there. Like you said, there's there's certainly a tremendous amount of meal delivery services out there, and I think you know how we distinguish ourselves is really in four ways: we're we're affordable, we're fast. We're healthy and we're also zero waste. So we describe as the farm stand formula is we're $7, $7 a meal, five minutes to heat, zero added sugar and zero waste. So it's seven, five, zero, zero. Um, to add a little bit more to that is we, we think ultimately we're, we're 10 times better than the competition. Well, firstly, as much as there, we do do a, a direct to consumer service and we deliver directly to homes, Ultimately, what makes this highly unique is we have um, large contracts with uh, office caterers um, and large institutions. But what makes us 10 times better the competition is we're, we're fresh versus frozen or a meal kit. So we're ready to eat. We're 50% less expensive. We're 90% faster to cook. And we have 100% personalization. And oh, by the way, we take up 90% less fridge space than a HelloFresh would. <laughs> Love all of that. And now this is the part that I'm sure most of our listeners are going to be um, not super happy to hear, but you're not available in the U.S. at the moment, correct? Yeah, at the moment, we're just in, in the U.K., so we cover U.K. nationwide. But a contract that we've signed with a food service provider called ISS and um, the, US's, uh, sorry, the U.K.'s largest bank, Barclays, that contract, although it starts in the U.K., um, it's a subscription agreement because we're a subscription-only business, 
allows us to expand into Europe and the US. And so our hope is to be in the US starting on a B2B basis as early as the first quarter of 23. All right. Love that. I'm definitely eager to learn about more about when you are in our territory a little bit. Um, let's talk about this other item that was in your bio. So you've previously built $2 billion businesses. How, how have you done that? And what's important to get right from the very beginning? Yeah, so prior to starting FarmStand, I co-founded an investment firm that now manages about $2 billion and invested in private companies. And then um, prior to that, I, I was head of business development at a health tech business that raised uh, about 50 million in venture capital. We scaled to 20 million in revenue and it filed for an IPO, a $650 million valuation, which is in today's dollar would be about a billion dollars. And then that business was acquired. So I think the, the fundamental thing is like when we, st- when we started FarmStand, I think the, the foundation of everything is on values um, and then, you know, behaviors as well. And then ultimately what you stand for as a business. But I think you, in any business you start or you join, I think you have to be very values driven. And so for us at FarmStand, that's been a real big driver. And so one of our big you know, values uh, that we really centered around, especially in the environment we're in, is around you know, making sure that what we're doing has zero waste. We have zero food waste, zero packaging waste. Um, we're a B Corp certified business, just like a Patagonia or a Ben & Jerry's. So these are kind of some of the things that are really important. I think if you don't have the right foundation when you start a business, you can't grow grow from that. I love that. And, and I agree 100% with all of those. And I started my business fairly young and, and didn't have that foundation fleshed out, but it's definitely been a core focus of mine and something I communicate to my team and even clients when it's, you know, we're talking about their marketing and their messaging. It, it comes down to, you know, what is what is it that you believe that's going to help attract the type of people that align with your thinking and your philosophy. Yeah, I think that's right. And you ultimately, your customers are going to follow you and, and get excited about you, uh, you know, based on what you do. So we're ultimately want people to take a stand and take a farm stand for that matter. So it's, it's on affordability, you know, healthy meals shouldn't just be for the wealthy. Um, and you ultimately want these, these meals to be healthy. So no added sugar is a really important thing. I mean, 73% of the U.S. population now is overweight or obese. If you eliminate sugar, that helps a lot. And then ultimately, we all are short on time. And so you, you, you can pop our food in the microwave and be, have it be ready in three minutes or boil some hot water. And you can, you can you know, make that happen you know, that way. We kind of describe our, our business as kind of... Um, a build your own salad bar meets Uncle Ben's ready rice because our our pouches, which are our meals, are basically a base, a main, and a side. They all come separate, and you just put them in boiling hot water, and and, and that that's a really great solution. And then now with with the environmental problems that we're having and the increasing temperatures, making sure you have zero waste. So what's great about us is we we have no food waste, we have no packaging waste, and after three deliveries customers can return all the packaging to us and we reuse that. So we effectively make a profit on, on the return, which is great, great for us for growing our business. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. That's one of the things that I always kind of struggled with when I did the um, any sort of food meal prepping is the amount of packaging. I felt there was a ton of waste involved and, and that was, it was hard to make that investment from a waste standpoint. 
Um, I love that. If you look at, if you also look at, you know, these meal kit businesses like HelloFresh, you know, have been around since 2011 and, you know, as much as their, their pricing might be slightly less than a farm stand, we would retail in the U S for $7 a meal. Um, you know, the problem you have with meal kits is that, you know, those meals, the, the, the ingredients can go off just like groceries very quickly. Ours are vacuum sealed pouches. So you have no food waste. You often have 25% of the food delivered to your house goes into the waste. So at the end of the day, you, if you have a ready to eat meal, you have no food waste and you have no packaging waste. So it's a, it's a win-win situation. I love that. So I hear you've been writing a book for about five, five years now. <laughs> can you, yeah, can so- you talk us through that? Yeah, so it's something that I, I've wanted to do for a while. So you, you read books like Shoe Dog, you know, which is written by Ray Knight about Nike and you know, other books out there that are just about like your experience. So yeah, so we, um, our business, when we initially started, it was effectively a dark kitchen and we um, were mostly a B2B play uh, pre-COVID. So we had uh, effectively 12 farm stand branded concessions inside large corporates like JP Morgan, uh, Barclays, uh, BlackRock, and uh, KPMG. When COVID hit, we effectively had to shut that entire business down and we started completely from scratch. So the book is, um, it's called Keep Going. So the five things you do when things get difficult. And this is not only in, in work, but in life. So the first thing is, is um, you write down the list of the problems, right? So when things are, when things get difficult, the second thing is you come up with you know, hopefully a, a, a set of potential solutions to those problems. Um, the third thing you do is you, um, you know, ask for help. And then the fourth thing is you, you start executing on, on those things. And then uh, the fifth thing, uh, ideally, is that when you fix your problems and you try to help other people. So that's the general idea around, around the five things. And, you know, I think in life, it's the same thing. When you have a, you know, you have something that's difficult, you have to, really think about what the problem is and, and, and be rational about it and try to come up with solutions. So I, I think whether it's work or life, you, you really want to rally around um, just keeping things as simple as possible, trying to be as rational as you can about it, whether it's relationship with your partner or with a work colleague or it's work in general. It's just, you know, you got to always keep going. You got to look, be solution oriented. Um, you know, it's one of the things that we believe at FarmStand, one of our behaviors People can talk about anything they want with us, um, be, you know, complain about anything they want, but ultimately you need to find solutions to problems, not just simply complain about them. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with all of that. Um, I like that thinking. So what, what's the timeline to get the book wrapped up? Well, obviously with restarting the business from scratch in February and the business growing, you know, uh, more than 20% a month, you know, since we started you know, folks right now is, is raising, raising a bit more venture capital, which we just started doing. We're part of an accelerator in Milwaukee, which is how we met called Generator, which is, uh, you know, top 10 uh, nationwide um, business accelerator. So we're, we're focusing on raising capital right now. You know, and if, if all, we're here at the end of January now, it would be nice to, you know, get something out probably by next year is kind of the idea, maybe to coincide with um, us launching our business in the U.S., Cool. Love it. All right. Um, Well, this is going to be a good time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. 
Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Even the purpose of my show here is to help people not so feel not so fearful or, or scared when they hear that word networking. So I'm hoping that you can help remove some of that fear um, by sharing one of your experiences or your most successful or favorite networking story that you've had. Well, I think every opportunity we have and we're, whether we're walking down the street or in the park or in a grocery store or wherever we have an opportunity to meet people. I don't like actually like the word networking. I, I just, you know, effectively connecting with people is kind of how I view it. Um, I'm actually much more of an introvert. People have a hard time believing that because I can get up in front of large groups of people and talk and do that. But my natural inclination is to be I like to read and, and I'm, I'm much more of an internal person than I'm an external. So I think on the networking side, I think the, the, the best thing to do whenever you're, you know, reaching out to people, I think LinkedIn, I, you mentioned that you're on that platform. It's probably the most, uh, you know, helpful platform that's out there to helping you build a business or learn or think about building a business. And I think if you're genuine in your approach and you're honest about things, uh, I think people generally respond very well to that. If you open up by trying to sell something or are super aggressive or send repeated emails, you know, it's not going to work. So I think always putting yourself in the other person's shoes. So whether it's um, for us in the case of trying to contact people, food service providers or corporates or people looking to help us, you know, that's, that's kind of how I've gone about, um, I guess, you know, networking or connecting with people. I think a lot of times that what is, is super helpful, whether you're trying to raise capital or you're trying to build your business is getting introductions through other people. And the easiest way of getting introductions through other people is preparing an email that's very simple, very short, and to the point, asking someone to make that introduction and it's clear what you want the introduction for, and then they can just forward that email on to other people. So I think, you know, one, uh, you know, example of a, a relationship that helped get our B2B business started is we, one of our first uh, office catering relationships was with, um, with JP Morgan. And a friend of mine, Stefan, happened to work there, run a division. Um, we had a pop-up restaurant in my house before we started the business. He came over, liked what we were doing. Um, when we had um, a gathering, um, you know, to kind of launch the business, his daughter came along and most of our food is gluten-free. And she was like, hey, you know, dad, wouldn't this be great if you had this at JP Morgan? So Stefan was able to make an introduction to Aramark, um, which was the food service provider. And then the, the person that worked at JP Morgan that oversaw the relationship with Aramark and effectively headed food services for JP Morgan. So there's a good example of using effectively a friend and obviously the help from his daughter who liked the food, you know, proposing the idea that led to things, you know, progress with us. That was our first relationship with an, an office caterer. And that led to our, our second with Compass. And then the third being with ISS, which 
is, uh, is you know, based in Copenhagen in a very large relationship for us now. Yeah, I love that. And just letting, being clear on what type of connections you're looking for makes it so much easier for someone to, to make that connection actually turn into reality. Yeah, there's another really good book out, um, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but there's like three ways to describe people. You either you're a giver or you're a taker or you're kind of a bit of both. I'm definitely a giver. I don't expect anything in return. So if I happen to be talking to someone, uh, happen to have a chat with someone a couple of days ago, looking to invest in our business. Um, he works in a sector that's not really similar to, to ours. And I happen to know someone that knows a lot about his sector that also runs an investment fund. And I said, hey, you know, you're looking at potentially moving into this investment field. You can probably talk to my friend. He didn't ask me to do this, but I think just volunteering and, and willing to help other people out, usually that comes back and, and, and helps you as well. So I think being a giver versus a taker, um, I think generally works works to your advantage. You don't want to be taken advantage of because you also ultimately have to do your own job. But I think mm-hmm. being generous with our our relationships and our network with other people also can be can be a useful thing too. Absolutely. What advice would you offer the business professional who's really looking to grow their network? So first thing about me, which is kind of maybe a bit odd, is I never offer advice. Um, I'm not a person that offers advice because that presumes that I know more than the other person. And nine out of 10 times, I, I probably don't, even though I read a lot, I read sometimes up to a book a week. But what I do offer is suggestions, but only when asked. So my suggestion, you know, if you're going to try to grow your business, whatever it is, whether it's a B2B business, a direct consumer business, is figure out like, if, especially if it's going to be focusing on sales or you know, looking at ways of network effects, you know, which, which is talk, which Reed Hoffman talks about in his book, Blitz Scaling, is ultimately look for the two or three or four contra- contracts or relationships that could potentially lead to large revenues versus taking a, and so be more of a rifle shooter or a sniper versus mm-hmm. using a machine gun approach. Sure. And just try to keep the approach very targeted, very focused versus being too broad based. When you launch a business, even for us, there's a lot of things we could done, have done to launch our business. We, we you know, initially started off our business you know, meals for four, and that was portions for four. Then we started with meals for two. And ultimately we settled on meals for one because that individuals is probably easier to market to than to, to families as at, the, at, the end, at the end of the day. Sure, yeah. Interesting approach. So here's a fun one. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? Well, it's a really good question. I really haven't thought much about that, but I I would tell like anyone, especially you can look in the rear view mirror is always work with people that have, you know, good values and good behaviors because ultimately having being around good leaders you know, has, you know, the right influences long-term. And I think some of the jobs I've taken and the people I've worked with, uh, some of them have, have had exceptional ethics and others haven't. So I think the 20 year old self would be, you know, focus on working with really high quality people and high quality organizations, because that will lead to further opportunities with similar people and businesses. Well, I think that's great advice. It's definitely something that if I could go back, I would I would put a little bit of emphasis on that as well. Um, all right, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me here, Stephen. So, what is something you would like to ask me? 
Well, uh, you know, Lori, so why, why did you decide to, I guess, first thing, you know, launch a marketing business? That's the first question. And the second question is, you know, why a podcast? You know, I've been on a handful. This is, I like the format of this. But I guess the first question is, how did you get into marketing and what, what, what made you choose marketing? Yeah, um, I actually started going to school for commercial art because I, I love um, very creative, like, you know, making beautiful pieces of art, a um, uh, lot of painting, a lot of drawing and, and how I could translate that into a career. Commercial art was the path I started pursuing. But um, while I was actually going to school, I took a sociology course and was simply fascinated by how um, you know, colors and sounds and messaging have such an impact and influence on the decision-making process that people make and, and um, cultural impact and how people actually end up buying products. So I took that passion for creativity and, and kind of took it at a, a bigger, broader picture. And that's how I decided to pursue um, the marketing path. Um, I've always been on the agency side. I worked at two other agencies before starting my own. Um, have learned a ton over the last 14 years that I've been uh, running my own business. I'm sure you've, you've learned a ton as well. Um, I, I learn something new every single day. Um, but I, I absolutely love what I do. And I love um, sharing my expertise and what I've learned with others. And that was kind of one of the reasons for um, springboarding, getting a podcast started. So as a, as a business owner, um, especially in the marketing space, best practice is to have some form of thought leadership to share expertise um, and build, um, build authority, build your audience, you know, as a means to potentially generate new business opportunities. And I wasn't, um, I, I, I tried blogging, doing email, and I, I struggled with the consistency of it. Um, video was something that I was interested in, but I just felt there was too much um, required from a, not only does it have to sound good, but it has to look good. So there's another layer of complexity with video. Um, but I, I was interviewed on a couple of podcasts and I was just really fascinated with the medium, just as, as you kind of commented on and decided, you know, this is, this is the channel, this is the medium that I'm going to leverage for my own thought leadership. And here we are episode. Oh goodness. I think it's like 350 something, something. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Like, look, I think it's a great format as well. And I think when you get to know someone, especially initially getting to know them through their voice versus in person is often the best way because you could just connect with them and understand them and not have the distraction of, like you said, colors, faces and things like that. So I think it's a great, it's a great format. And like, look, I, there's only a handful of ones that I listen to, but I think it's, it's really interesting uh, as, as a, as a format, I guess, in terms of advice, is there any advice you'd give uh, to uh, a business, whether it's direct consumer or B2B, if you were going to, you know, launch a business, what would that one bit of advice that you would give? Launching a business. Um, you know, there's so many pieces of information that I'd share, but I would, I would say, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit, but find someone who's already paved the path a little bit, find a mentor, someone that's got, uh, you know, five, 10 years of experience in that same space so that you can learn from them, get some counsel and, and kind of build, build a team around you. Some, you know, not just people in the same space, but you'll, you'll need a team of experts to help guide you and, and give you some direction 
um, because you, you can't go it alone and it can be very lonely running, um, you know, business on your own, but having that support and that professional counsel and expertise can just help you get from A to B a hell of a lot faster than if you were trying to do it on your own. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, our core team when we first started the business was through friends of friends, uh, you know, and I, you know, having come from different sectors and having to learn food tech, you know, uh, you ha- getting advice and suggestions and authority of people that you can figure out things is important and you have to try lots of stuff. And yeah, but I think that's, that's great. That's great advice. I love it. All right. So, um, I'm going to throw the advice back to you. Any final word or advice to offer our listeners around growing and supporting your network? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the it's back to, you know, kind of what you we talked about originally, which if you're going to be doing posts, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly, I think authenticity is the best thing that people gravitate towards to gra- gravitate towards. Because, you know, you can post about lots of other things, but I think what people really like, especially is authenticity, storytelling, whether it's good news or bad news. I mean, life isn't perfect. Um, It's not always, you know, linear. It has ups and downs. And I think sharing that with, you know, your network and your friends and your family is, is really important. In this day and age of Instagram and Twitter and all this other stuff, I think it's important that and I think longer term, we're going to find that authenticity is going to really win. And I think that to me is the most important thing. So if you're going to be maintaining relationships with your network, whether it's through a podcast or through email or, or getting together in person, just you know, being honest, being authentic and, and talking about the good news and the bad news, because people like to, to hear both. I love that. And that's, I've got my three three rules of networking. And my first one is to be genuine and authentic. So you, you're right on with, with what I preach all the time on this show. And, and people, I always say people can smell fake. They, they can, you know, if, if you're trying to be something that you're not, it, it's pretty obvious, I would say to, to most people in the professional space, but hundred um, percent agree. Be your authentic self and you're going to attract the type of people that you actually want to spend time with and do business with. Absolutely. All right, Stephen, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Uh, kind of like you, it's the best way is through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just Stephen Novick. There's a, a nice photo on there of me and there's um, some farm stand food, which is which there. And then I'm also on Instagram, um, on Stephen underscore Novick, N-O-V-I-C-K, and it's Stephen with the V. All right, we will include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolute uh, pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Stephen for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. Connect with me, connect with Stephen. We're both looking forward to hearing from you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new that you like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Go build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.